Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. The Ringer's got a brand new show out now about NFL player Cam Newton called The Cam Chronicles. We'll be releasing new episodes every Monday for the next six weeks, but you can binge all six episodes right now for free on Spotify. Here's a quick trailer. From The Ringer, I'm Tyler Tons, hosting a new podcast series, The Cam Chronicles. NFL star Cam Newton has always been a complex figure. Over the past year, I've traveled the country speaking to coaches and teammates, friends and family, and even briefly to the man himself, trying to unravel the enigma that is Cam Newton. The Ringer NFL Show presents Cam Chronicles. Listen to the full series now on Spotify. Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Tuesday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, a.k.a. Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Quarantine, Kevin! Berno, what's going on today, buddy? Well, we got what I would deem great news yesterday, Kevin, uh, regarding the NBA and how the bubble is working, and at least with... The test that they gave on July 13th, uh, the results were as good as they could possibly be. Zero out of 346 players that were tested for coronavirus came up with a positive test. Now, you and I, we spoke about this at length last week, which was the next week is going to be the huge week. They did it the first week, two guys tested. And so what you want to happen is for these guys to be there, to be playing basketball, and we'll see. If it starts spreading like crazy, then obviously we've got a big problem on our hands. If 20, 30 guys test positive, they may just call the whole damn thing off. Um, So there was that extreme where it could be a lot of guys, and it did get passed around easily. But this is the other extreme, which is you put together a plan, praying it will work, and at least so far, you're not completely out of the woods until games start. Um, and then we'll have a whole nother factor when families come in, et cetera. But for right now, that's as good a news as you could have possibly gotten yesterday, right? Oh, my goodness. I mean, for the, for there to be zero, zero since then, I mean, that's really remarkable. And it it, it shows just the, the, the depth and thought put into the entire plan. I mean, like we got a long way to go here, man. Yeah. I mean, somebody could arrive on campus and, you know, have some false negatives and, and end up, you know, spreading it. Someone from who works for Disney could spread it. You don't know. I mean, it, it, anybody could show up and it could happen. However, fact is, is with the quarantines in place, with the rules in place, um, this is really encouraging for after that first week for there to be zero. When you think about the potential problems moving forward, um, it would have to be, it would have to be something really uh, some real bad luck for a coronavirus now to get into that. Um, so for the NBA to put this together, I mean, so far, bravo to them for having a plan. And by the way, not just the zero number, but a lot of players have have spoken, you know, very nicely about what the league has put together. Um, you know, I mean, Stephen Adams jokingly saying it's not Syria yesterday, um, that that it's something that they enjoy. They're living on a freaking resort. A lot of the guys still seem to be having fun. And we'll see how that changes when they're over one month into this. Um, but as of now, it seems to be something that a lot of guys are just enjoying the freedom that they have there to do other stuff. Like, I mean, P players have talked about LeBron James just able to walk around and and be Braun, you know, <laughs> people not, you know, going after him and all that. In some ways, it must be kind of nice for the players. And hopefully that test stays at a big zero. Yeah, you bring up a great point about these guys and what their lives are like. And that this is this isn't just in some ways a, a vacation, right, where you go to like Turks and Caicos or something like that and you can get away. This is they are in their environment that are getting to play basketball, but there are no phone calls for, can you help me out with this? Can you do this today? Can you can you make sure I got some tickets, right? They're all, like, you would not believe. Like, even, like, an hour before the game, these guys are trying to figure out how to get tickets up to will call for somebody that's in doubt or whatever. And they get pulled 100 million different directions all the time. And to your point, uh, there's a huge 
percentage of them, especially because of their height, um, they can't go anywhere. <laughs> anywhere they go, yeah. even if you're not recognizable, people come up to you and are like, are you in the NBA? Are you right? a basketball player? Yeah. And that stinks because <laughs> then you got to tell them who yeah. you are, right? <laughs> right? Um, and who you play for. But you're right. There's a big stress relief with that. And from me talking to players that are down there over the course of the last week, two things have stood out. Number one, the food has gotten infinitely better. That at the very beginning, people like to goof about <laughs> the food and whatever else. But that given their choices, I mean, guys that are, uh, I know uh, Del Frisco was one of them. Morton Steakhouse is one of them. Another one brought up to me uh, that they are, they're ordering uh, Ocean Air all the time, which is, a, which is a restaurant they can order from. And so they said the food is fantastic. And then for the most part, they're able to stress-free do what they want. They, they go play golf. They go out fishing. They go, they're going out. A lot of them are playing video games. Right, yeah. a lot of them are playing video I mean, games on, on a regular I said, basis. I said this like, like a couple months ago when there were like rumblings of what this could look like, and I remember saying it could it could turn out that for some guys from certain cities where there's a lot of you know positive cases of coronavirus could have more things to do at Disney Absolutely. than they would otherwise at home, and it could be safer. And and thus far, that that seems to be the case. Thus far, hopefully this continues. But uh, I'm. I'm feeling very optimistic, more so than I was before, about this whole damn thing working. Well, and and you and I both, I think, have been optimistic from the beginning of this. You know, hoping that everything can work out just fine. And I'm a just a, just a little side note on just where we are in society. And I know everybody is at this high frustration level, and you see it every time you get on the internet. But I saw that news yesterday, and I was so excited. And I will tell you that I didn't, I didn't even tweet about it because I didn't want to hear the bullshit from people. I'm not kidding. Like, I feel like there are people out there that were disappointed that the news was zero of 346 players had, you know, tested positive. <laughs> I, I, I can't believe that that is true, but that is really a feeling that ran through me yesterday. And that is so incredibly disheartening. It just really, it, it is. I mean, you would hope that... Everybody would be so excited that this thing is working. But instead, I knew what was going to happen, which was, oh, yeah, well, just wait. You know, you're not out of the woods yet. Or, yeah, you know, it's just, I, I don't, like, I think there were, there's, there's this weird subculture of people that don't want things to work out well. <laughs> For whatever reason, yeah. they don't want things to work out well. And so there I was. I mean, this is like when the schedule came out and I was, I was so excited to just think about those games, just to think about all the games that are going to be taking place. And, you know, in, inevitably you are met with, oh, yeah, be real excited. They're not playing anything. Or there's somebody that's mad about what they're wearing on the back of the jerseys. Or there's like the Ted Cruz, Mark Cuban stuff. I mean, life to me seems way too short for all this bickering and complaining. And so there was there was a bit... And it's probably my fault, but it's just disheartening that I felt like I couldn't even be excited about yesterday and that news coming through because inevitably the way things are right now, um, there are people out there that are disappointed that that was great news. Yeah, I mean, there's there's always going to be people who are disappointed. I didn't see much of the reaction at all. I, I reacted to the news after I got the Shams tweet not notification. Um uh, but like after that, I went straight back to writing my article. I was busy all day yesterday. We recorded the restart and then I went straight to finishing up my article for uh, Wednesday or Thursday, whenever it goes up, continuing the, the power rankings that I've been doing ahead of the restart. And, um, so I didn't see much of that, but I mean, there's always going to be people who, who root for things to good things to not work out. There's always going to be people who are Debbie downers about situations like that. I mean, for me, I feel like I've just, I've chosen to, to hear that, but also like not let it affect me because it's something that's out of my control. And that's one of the most, this is like a, a way too serious response to what you're saying. But <laughs> like for me in my life, the last two years or so, um, leading up to my dad getting cancer last year, I feel like I found myself in a really good place in my life where I just don't at all worry about what's out of my control. Right. And I don't worry about what's out of the control of others. I only worry about what's in my control. 
and and the reaction you know whether it's negative or positive is just not something that i have any power over and so ultimately when things don't necessarily go your way or some the response isn't what you were expecting i do everything i can not to let that affect the way i feel and the way i think and like with something like this it's like basketball is going to come back and it seems like it's going to work and a lot of people are going to love it. And I know I'm going to love it. I know you're going to love it, Chris. So we're going to enjoy that together with a lot of our listeners. And, and ultimately like, that's what excites me most. It's it sucks. That a lot of people don't see it that way, but ultimately it's like, they're going to feel the way they want to feel. And that, I mean, they, they have the right to, but I'm, I'm going to enjoy it. And I'm, and I hope it's going to be a powerful, impactful time with all the social justice, um, that players are moving toward uh, that we've been also hearing about in recent weeks since they got down to Orlando. I, I think the next three months could be really special for the NBA. Well, and one of the, to your point, you saw yesterday, and I and I'm mentioning this because it got passed around all through social media, and I would argue that had a much greater platform than if guys weren't playing because that was a discussion you remember it's something that was considered with the uh nba pa which was okay this is being uh, you know should we be going down there and playing is it worth does it amplify the platform by being there or should we take a stand not play and that would be the greatest amplification and i would say that yesterday was a mark in the this absolutely amplifies the situation because you saw Tobias Harris use his 59 seconds uh, after he was asked a question to call out the attorney general and uh, and try to bring light to justice for Breonna Taylor um, and her death that took place. And so you see that and then that starts getting passed around. It gets passed around. I mean, by the time it's all said and done, millions of people will have seen that. And how many how how often are you going to be in a spot where something you say can be passed around at at that uh, at that great number to get that message out. I mean, I even saw LeBron retweeting it last night. So I mean, inevitably, millions of people saw Tobias yeah. Harris's media session yesterday. And under what other circumstances are that many people going to hear what Tobias Harris has to say um, or to bring light to a situation? And so I think you know, on that front. I look at yesterday and say, clearly, that is working. Sure. And, and I mean, ultimately, the most impactful thing that can be done is policy changes and actions. But what leads to policy changes and actions oftentimes is putting a spotlight on issues, loud voices, using their platforms, people t collectively together pointing at those issues and, and demanding change. And for the NBA over the next couple months, you know, with Black Lives Matter painted on the court with, you know, names on the back of the jerseys with hopefully like some real pointed messages at specific issues uh, out there in the United States and, and across the world right now, that it will lead to the ampli amplification of these conversations. Uh, even if it's like certain news stations or certain people who are speaking out against you know, the NBA, you mentioned the Ted Cruz, Mark Cuban aspect saying he won't watch basketball if a player kneels or whatever. Uh, the fact that a conversation is happening like that, I, I hope it leads to more positive change just simply by talking about it, talking through these things. Um, so I, I think for the NBA, there's a lot of value in that. And same for the WNBA, too. Our writer at the ringer, Jordan Lingens, wrote a great story today exactly about what we're talking about here about WNBA players using their platforms to bring light to a lot of these issues. And, you know, the WNBA is, doesn't obviously have the same platform of the NBA, but their voices are still heard by so many people. And, you know, combined all these sports leagues doing the things that they do, when sports is something that so often unites, I, I can only hope. I mean, this might just be the optis, optimist in me, but I can only hope it changes a lot of minds out there or really focuses the minds of people who are, or inspires people to go out there and and try to change the world and try to do good things for the world uh, to make this whole existence better for everybody. And I mean, if the NBA can be a small or a big part of that, it's a positive either way. Now we get to the real question. These exhibitions start tomorrow. I think there's four games going on tomorrow. Yeah. Are you so starved for basketball that you feel like you will watch a large percentage 
of the exhibition games that are going to be played? Or do you view this as preseason again and say, ah, I don't really care. You know, it's meaningless. Well, well, and well, well, wait a minute. What's the deal with these airing on TV? Like, where, where can people watch these? Well, between the RSNs, the regional sports networks, NBA TV, um, ESPN. Well, on I mean, League Pass? Oh, there's like, yeah, there's like 33 games that are going to be going on. And they are going to have okay. cameras right. there. I will tell you this, and, and look, I am in a small market, Kev, um, because I got an email yesterday about helping out with the the ones that are running on uh, Fox Sports Regional here. Like the Grizzlies are playing like the Sixers and the Heat and something else. And so I think a lot of them are going to be regionally broadcast. I know a lot of the teams are broadcasting them on their RSNs, um, the exhibition games. Some of them are going to be streaming the games, but... There are going to be a selection of those games on NBA TV, League Pass, and ESPN uh, that people are going to be able to watch. I, I'm just asking to clarify for myself and for the listeners because yeah. I mean it's it's been a little confusing with some of the 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 stuff I've seen with where where will air or not. Yeah. Um, but I also have been super busy the last four days, so I haven't paid quite as much attention. No, they're to running that. them. But yeah, okay, good. But I mean, am I starved? Yes, and I also want to learn and see what some of these teams are doing. Uh, I mean, like I want to, this week's video uh, on the restart is about the Sixers. I want to see what it looks like with Ben Simmons at the four and Shake Milton at point guard with the Rockets. Daryl Morey talked about Mike D'Antoni installing a new set. I want to see what that new set is. What are they going to do besides run high pick and roll and isolations with Harden and Westbrook? I want to see it. There's a lot to look for right now ahead of the seeding games. And for a lot of these teams, they're integrating new guys, which new skills were added, which coaches are changing the rotations. Even though we're talking scrimmages here, you can still find something of value, which could then therefore, you know, impact what happens on the court in the actual postseason. So I'm stoked. I'm stoked for scrimmages. I, 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 there's a lot to watch from a schematic point of view. Do you buy the Ben Simmons thing? What I'm saying is, do you think that that is something that they will implement and stick with? Because, look, they paid Al Horford a fortune. They got Tobias Harris. Uh, you know, they paid him a billion dollars. Like, <laughs> I, I, I'm, ca- I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah, Al Horford's overpaid. But, like, right now, forget the money. Forget the salaries. Forget what they're getting paid. That matters when it comes to team building. But right now, Al Horford on the bench is better for the Sixers. Getting away from that three-big lineup, having Shake Milton in, in the starting lineup with his shooting ability. And this is a big component of what the video is going to be about tomorrow, about the Sixers, which you can check out on the Ringer's YouTube page, the restart. Um, <laughs> uh, I feel like for the Sixers, I picked them to go to the finals before the season, Chris, and I was dead wrong about that roster. This is a different team. This is a new season for Philadelphia and for other teams, too considering the changes that they're putting in, considering Shake Milton's emergence. So I got to see this team, and I'm cautiously optimistic about what I'm hearing. Brett Brown talking about using Simmons more off ball, more as a screener. Simmons talking openly about his willingness to shoot threes. What I've heard about Joel Embiid really working on his game the last four months and the reports about him being in better shape. Just on paper, the structure of the rotations with Al Horford more in that backup center role with Shake Milton now running more pick and roll, spacing the floor as a point guard. I have a hard time not feeling a little bit better about what Philly can be in the Eastern Conference playoffs and possibly making a finals run. And it all starts with these scrimmages and with the seeding games and figuring out what this new new look Sixers team actually looks like. But, I mean, that's the the main gist of the video tomorrow is, you know, with like a lot more, you know, in-depth, you know, analysis. But it's hard not to feel a little bit optimistic about them. That's putting a lot on Shake Milton, Kev. Shake, uh, I mean, is it though? He doesn't have or, minutes. Or is it is it putting a lot on Shake Milton, or is it just like the 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 restructuring of roles and responsibilities and rotations on the team? I, I don't know if it's solely on Shake as much as just like his presence helps elevate Embiid and Simmons. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like that's that's the way I'm sort of looking at it, and maybe it won't work. Maybe Shake Milton will fall off a cliff, but I'll tell you what, during the season, 14 points per game, four assists, you know, very efficient from the floor, shooting over uh, 60% true shooting percentage, positive assist turnover ratio. He's a damn good player in three years at SMU, and he looked like a damn good player this year with the Sixers. So I, I, I'm buying him as at least a, a 
solid NBA player. Whether it impacts the Sixers enough, I don't know. But on paper, he puts Simmons in what I view and has a long viewed for him as closer to his ideal role. And it helps Embiid too. Yeah, the question becomes, does it, what happens if he run? The reason I'm saying a lot on this plate is because you got some really seasoned, outstanding players that he could be up against, even you know early oh, yeah. rounds. When when you're, I mean, are, do you feel good when you're going to the party with Shake Milton against Kyle Lowry, against Kemba Walker, against you know some of these guys that he's going to have know. to be? Maybe. I mean, he just doesn't have a lot of minutes. He doesn't have a lot of minutes. We don't I'm have. Not, I'm, I might I might feel good about him. Maybe I mean. So are you thinking it's going to be Milton Richardson, Tobias? And then Simmons Embiid? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Starting five. It's I mean, an interesting you, you one against... You seem, you seem a bit more skeptical about it. Yeah, I am. Why? I, I mean, because all... I mean, like, all the concerns, like, I get into in the video, for what it's yeah. worth, but, like... I, and I feel like a lot of them go without saying. But, like, it, are, is your concern largely based on uh, a lack of trust in Shake Milton? Or is it still, like, the, it, it really the flaws in Ben Simmons as a shooter, the flaws in Joel Embiid as an outside shooter. Is it more based in, in the star players weaknesses than uncertainty with shake and some of the other guys? Oh no, it is uncertainty with the other guys and, and putting that on there. Okay. The other thing Less is so Simmons, than Simmons and Embiid. Okay. And the other thing is Simmons can create you a real advantage. You know what I mean? By, by playing point guard. He can, I mean, I know all He's of the things he the doesn't ball. do. I, I understand. But the other thing is, are we trying to, what, like one of the issues was that it gets, it can get a little bottled up with those two guys. Like to me, he's more of a problem with Embiid than Horford is. Be, it, it, if you're talking about the way it can all work, because at least Horford can stand out at the top of the key and has to be honored at the top of the key to knock down a shot. Whereas Simmons, I mean, isn't the issue that he's at his best? Five feet from the basket, as is Embiid. I mean, that's where these two guys are at their best. And so I'm packing them in now. I mean, at least I've got them spread out. I understand the point guard, you know, sags off him, you know, and does not respect his shot. But he's he's found a way, like Giannis, like some of these other guys, to figure out that if you back off of him, he uses that as a running start to get going and still can get where he wants to go. Uh, on the court. And again, I don't know. I, I guess I'm not as down on him because, I mean, it was a freaking miracle shot by Kawhi. I know they don't have Jimmy Butler. I worry about, I just worry about anything they have on the perimeter. They don't have Jimmy. They don't have J.J. Redick. Their perimeter guys aren't good enough. They just aren't. Yeah. They're yeah. not good I mean, enough. Without, with, without Jimmy Butler, I mean, he, people forget he was really great in the postseason last yes. year. I mean, he yes. was the whole reason they had a chance in that game seven. Why it came down to that, you know, horrific moment for Philadelphia fans and, you know, just glorious moment for Toronto fans um, was largely because of Jimmy Butler. But to your point, Simmons and Embiid, it's not like they were awful. It wasn't all Butler last year. Those guys were really good, too. Um, and they started to figure some th- figure some things out in the postseason. But, you know, like, like I said, with Philly, the, the concerns and the flaws remain the same. Can they have enough shooting? Is Ben Simmons actually going to be effective as a shooter? Would Joel Embiid be more of a threat from the perimeter? Or is Al Horford going to be back to Al Horford? Or is he going to look like a total shell of his former self still? All these questions remain the same. But the 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 structure here is a bit better. And I, I'm excited to see how it actually works out on the court. And I guess we'll find out uh, with those scrimmages this week. When's their first game? They, I mean, we, they look, they, they have, Friday, they have Friday, Friday versus Memphis, right? Yeah, they're big talent, man. They have a lot of talent. And as we said at the beginning, we'll see what all these guys look like. They feature one of the guys that you could foresee, at least it is not likely, but at least there's a chance that they could have the best player for a series in a series against Giannis. Like, it's it's out there. It's a possibility that that could take place. And that is just not true. It is hard to imagine some of these teams having the best player on the court in a series, you know, that features Giannis. But you could see over the course of a series, Embiid, you know, being the best guy. He's got that level of talent. We all know that. His problem is not talent. His problem is, does he does he bring that every night? Um, do you get the great Joel Embiid as consistently as you want it? And the answer to that has been no. But if you did, over six, seven games, I mean... We know he's got that.
in him. He's he's easily one of the four or five best players in the league. When his peak is as good as anybody, seriously, like when he's at his best. No, hundred percent. I mean, Joe Embiid at his peak is that level of a player. We we've seen flashes of that over the years. I think this season, that big game he had against the Atlanta Hawks after All-Star break comes to mind. And yeah, it's Atlanta. They're not in the postseason, so whatever. But it was just a, a, a truly dominant performance in every way for him on both ends of the court. And for Embiid, that's a big component uh, of why I'm high on them. Like Embiid is somebody who has gotten better every year of his career. And you think about four months away from the court. I mean, it, it's hard... Hard for me not to think some guys got way better over this time away. I mean, all the talk has been about like, oh, Giannis didn't have access to a hoop. Some guys had to buy a basketball goal at home. And I'm like, yeah, but what about the guys that spent the last four months working on their games just like they normally would from like May playoff loss to late September training camp? Embiid is one of those guys who consistently has gotten better. I mean, he has become a dominant force in the post. And after the All-Star break, he was facing up away from the rim a bit more too than he normally does. So I'm I'm excited and intrigued by what Joel Embiid could look like during this return here. He also got his heart ripped out last mm-hmm. year. Yep. You know, and there's always those guys. Everybody, you know, takes their lumps. They walk away broken after a series. And it's like the the motivation that some guys get from that. Coming back the next year, we just saw where Damian Lillard uh, got over the hump last year. I mean, he had taken his lumps, sometimes first round, uh, you know, heartbreaks. Um, obviously, it happened in Oklahoma City. It's happened, but there, there's that moment where Embiid is bawling, walking off the court last year um, that is burned in our minds, you know, after Toronto. And so he got that, he got his first dose of. I, I left it all out on the court. I gave it all, and it wasn't enough. And now it's proving time, right? You get that crack again. And so there's a lot of times where guys come back with a vengeance after they get their heart ripped out like that. I didn't make that point in the video. I should have talked with you ahead of time. It's, all <laughs> it's right. a good point. I mean, it's, it, it's a great point. <laughs> it's I a mean, great point. This is a team that has already experienced heartbreak. Yeah. And historically, look at champions – a lot of the time, that's what they have to go through. Oh yeah, in order to get to get through it all. I mean, you yes. don't you don't see a heck of a lot of teams that win on their first try, or te- or players that win on their first try. Guys lose before they win, and Philly yeah. is one of those teams that Embiid is their best player, and, and Simmons is like right right there with him. But Embiid to me right now is closer in these current circumstances to being that top five guy, which you need to win a championship. And he gives them a chance if they're able to put the right surrounding pieces around him to elevate him in addition to all the moves that he's making that are in his control and with the work that he puts in and the focuses that he has on the court. Um, Like I said at the top, man, I have a hard time not feeling good about the Sixers. We'll see if that is founded, you know, in truth, you know, or whether that's just me being an optimist here with the idea of shake Milton. (laughs) But uh, I I like what I'm hearing out of Philly right now. Um, heading into the scrimmages and the seeding games. Hey, Chris, wait a second. Before we move on, I have to tell the listeners about today's sponsor, FanDuel. Sports are back, and you can find all the action on FanDuel. NBA is right around the corner. Whether you've been with FanDuel for a while or you're new to the experience, FanDuel has two great ways to win that you won't want to miss. First off, FanDuel is adding $10 in free bets to every account. No deposit is required and no strings are attached. In addition to your $10 bonus, FanDuel is also giving you a day of risk-free betting. That means you can place any bets you want on baseball, basketball, and hockey and get up to $100 back on your total losses. And FanDuel is giving our listeners an odds boost on the bets they make. This week, the Ringers' odds boost is going to be Celtics to beat the Bucks on July 31st. The Celtics will be up from plus 164 to plus 200. Boston obviously has a chance to win this game considering the fact that Milwaukee doesn't have a whole lot to play for with the number one seed locked up. And Boston does. They can still move up to the two seed and they got to avoid slipping to the four spot. 
If you already have a FanDuel Sportsbook account, then you're all set. Just use your $10 bonus and day of risk-free betting before they expire on August 2nd. And if you've never tried FanDuel Sportsbook, then what are you waiting for? Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started and be sure to sign up with the promo code RINGERNBA so they know we sent you. That's promo code RINGERNBA. Disclaimer, you have to be 21 plus and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Indiana, West Virginia, and Colorado. Offer ends on August 2nd, 2020. $100 max refund issued in site credit and expires in seven days. $10 bonus issued as a non-withdrawable site credit that expires on August 2nd, 2020. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Colorado, 1-800-522-4700. In Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. West Virginia, visit 1800gambler.net. And now, back to the mismatch. One of the pieces of news that has uh, broken since we last talked was that the NBA made the decision for the awards to be based on the season up to the point that it was delayed. So March 12th was the number and that they're not going to take into consideration what happens in these last eight games and whatever may happen in a postseason, as it were. So... What do you think? Do you think that that is a good way to do these awards? Do you think that that is going to be a proper representation or the fairest representation of what was the 1920 NBA season when we look back on it? I think it's the right move. I do. Um, what's happening right now with this restart here feels it feels like a new season in many ways for me. It's a continuation of the 2019-20 NBA season. But in many ways, it feels like a new year. And and I, I do think that recency bias is one of the realest things out there when it comes to voting. And you would see a lot of recency bias. Possibly, you'd possibly see a lot of recency bias Absolutely. from voters. And I'm not and I'm not saying that I'm not I'm not, you know, immune to it either. It can, you know, it can happen to me, too. Like if, you know, LeBron has an amazing last eight games and Giannis barely plays. I mean, who knows? That could yep. change the way people vote for MVP. If, if Zion had played and he puts up like 35 points a game and Ja, you know, sits a couple games because Memphis has a lead. I mean, who knows? That could change the way voters played. Zion's not there, so it's beside the point. But I think the, the, the truest representation of the season would be having the votes occur before the seeding games and not factoring in what happens in those games. And so I hope, I mean, we'll find out more details this week um, from the NBA, but my understanding is those ballots will go out uh, sometime over the next week ahead of the seeding games, just like it would be dur- during a normal season when votes are due before the postseason starts. That's what I would expect to happen before the seeding games. What do you have votes for? I believe I have votes for everything. I'm, I'm not oh, sure do. if the process will be different this year, but my understanding is that I'll have my ballot like I have the last uh, couple seasons. Last was it three seasons? I don't know how many years I've been in here at the Ringer now. <laughs> so, do you want me to just tell you who to vote for? Yeah, let me know. I mean, oh, okay. we'll see. I, I, I'm not. I haven't finalized my ballot yet, but I, I feel I, good I'm, about what I have. I'm about to finalize it for you. Okay, thanks. Right, the, I appreciate uh, it. Appreciate MVP's it. easy. That's Giannis. Yep. It's yep. Okay, okay. I understand. Yep. Uh, coach of the year. I'll move to that. I'll say Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse. I have Nick Nurse, Billy Donovan, Taylor Jenkins in my top three at the moment in consideration. Eric Spolstra, Michael Malone, Frank Vogel. And I'm going to say this. Nate McMillan also deserves a look too. There have been a lot. Look, there have been a lot of great coaching jobs. Coaches get crapped on all the time. You know, it's it's so thankless. Like how many guys really get their just desserts. Like, even if you end up winning, they say, oh, yeah, well, he won with, and it'll be, you know, insert the great player. And if you don't win with the great player, it's your fault, right? But there have been a lot of great coaching jobs, I think, up and down. It's hard to go by. That team is, uh, that team is very underwhelming because of who their coach is. Like, that's hard to find. Seriously. The Bulls are underwhelming because of who their coach is. That's what I would say. But I think, like, there's not a ton of those teams that I think they are an indication that they were not coached to their to maximize the abilities of their roster. Most of the teams that suck have crappy rosters, right? And newsflash, nobody wins with crappy rosters. Um, 
That being and, said, and for, for, for what it's worth, uh, I, I left off the page. Doc Rivers also in consideration. Whole new roster uh, yep. and making that work as well as I have with load management and everything else. Um, so Doc on that list too. And Nate McMillan right. should be, right. I should add him to in consideration for that second or third spot. But, you know, Nick Nurse is going to win it for me. Yeah, I think there's a bunch of them. Uh, most improved, the one that came to my mind immediately was Bam. This is a tough one, man. Because most improved, you can look at so many different ways. Yeah. I ha- I don't even have a top three right now. In consideration, Bam, Luca, Brandon Ingram, Jalen Brown, Pascal Siakam, Domantas Sabonis, Jason Tatum, Trey Young. A-, a lot of guys, and I'm probably leaving some off, that deserve consideration for most improved. And so much of this vote depends on how you look at it. Yeah. How do you view the award? Is it a guy making a leap from good to great, from great to superstar? Or is it a guy that went from average to very good? I mean, mm-hmm. it's all about perception with this award. So I'm more than anything else, I'm curious to see how the vote goes for most improved. Because for me, like this is sort of a toss-up uh, in terms of perception of how the award and with who actually deserves it. I, and I know it's not out of nowhere, but the BAM thing felt like he really ascended to a a different level where people were writing yeah. about him. People were talking about him. Yeah, people but it, were, it, that's, I get it. That's he was really good the year before too. He all, but he also became an all-star and, he, and can, he played yeah. and he played like 10 more minutes per game. <laughs> so, right. I mean, like bam did get better. He was good the year before. He just didn't play as much. <laughs> so, I mean, it's the type of thing where like, it's, it's really hard with, with this award here. Because uh, it, again, it depends on how much you what what you perceive of it. I'm probably gonna have I'm gonna have Bam in my top three. It's just a matter of if he's first, second, or third. Rookie of the year is a shoe win because Zion of only course. played like ni- nineteen yeah. games, right? Who, who's third? Who's third? It's none. It's or, I would say I, I have none too. That's what I have. Yeah. And then in consideration, his teammate Hero. Yeah, I, I was trying to think, but, with, I, but, but, be- but none is third in my book. Yeah, I was trying to see if there is there anybody else that would that we are just overlooking completely. I don't think so. I mean, those, those seem those no, seem so. pretty firmly. I mean, one, my, two, three. Just to throw out the names for my all rookie team, uh, those three we just mentioned: Brandon Clark, Eric Pascal, Tyler Hero, Matisse Thybulle, Terrence Davis, PJ Washington. Then a couple other guys in consideration: Rui Hachimura, R.J. Barrett, mm-hmm. White Dort. I mean, there's yeah. I mean, I don't think any of those other guys belong in the rookie of the year conversation. None is third. Yeah, but we have, uh, it is good rookie production. Yeah, it was. Oh, yeah. This a, lot, was a lot of good rookies. A lot of good yeah. rookies. Brandon, Brandon Clark and Eric Pascal, especially. I mean, I feel like their years have been underrated and, and overlooked. Yeah. Um, Pascal, because he's playing on a team that wins no games. And obviously, when you, I mean, I see it every day, you're just, you're dwarfed. By yeah. the, by the John Morant phenomenon, you know yes. what I mean. When you're and, and, Brandon Clark, and Pascal Pascal has shown himself to be a guy that can fit when Steph and Clay come back and Draymond's, you know, playing as well. Yeah, Pascal can fit with those guys and be somebody who produces. They found a nice rookie in him. Yep. Um, uh, the other thing I did want to mention, um, for most improved that you didn't have on there, which I thought was interesting, was Frank Nilakina. You didn't have that on there. Was most improved. No. <laughs> well, he needs a new team. I just thought it was I thought first. it was interesting that you didn't have him Frank, on there. Frank <laughs> He needs a, a new team first. Chris. Oh, is that right? Like, oh. Hey, he needs a new team. All right, uh defensive player of the year. I mean, this is this is one that you've got the usual suspects every year. Um Draymond's not going to be in it. Kawhi's not going to be in it because of lack of games. And those guys are typically there at the very top. But there has been a Giannis push. Um, there has also been uh, Gobert, who, you know, I mean, consistently has great defensive metrics um, and is certainly an anchor uh, defensively for what is a team that had a very good record uh, this year. Uh, Anthony Davis said at the beginning of the year he wanted to win defensive player of the year so i'm interested if you've got him uh towards the top of there this one is one that i would not fight greatly over i think I, you I can have, go a couple different ways Giannis, reason i have Giannis first right now but i mean yeah. ad gobert ben simmons Kawhi yep. leonard bam Adebayo, yep jimmy butler i mean there's a handful of other guys that could be in the top three but yep. for me like the, that first place spot 
uh, is between um, probably Giannis and AD, and I, I'll likely go uh, Giannis. Yeah, I do wonder if AD. You know, I know there's been a Le- LeBron push. Uh, there was before for, the season for, ended for MVP. For MVP, or, yeah, uh, yeah, and you saw you saw LeBron kind of uh, acknowledge it yesterday. You know, with his. People wondered what was going to happen if I went to the West. Well, here I am in the West, and look what's happening. Um, that being said, you if you line up the numbers, Davis's numbers are just extraordinary, truly. And you wonder, do they split votes? Does does Davis even get the credit he deserves? You know, or does he go the way of so many, you know, former LeBron teammates, where it's like, you know, you're not going to get. It, it's it's the Scotty Pippen effect, right? It's like Scotty Pippen could have been one of the great players in the entire NBA, but he was, you know, chronically underpaid and he was not on lists as high as he would normally be if he were have been out on out of the shadow of Jordan. It is is there an argument for LeBron to win MVP over Giannis? I think that a lot of it is wanting to reward. LeBron, because in the end, when you look at it, people are going to say, you know, you you get a lot of that. He's the MVP every year. Forget that part. Forget that part. He's the MVP every year. Forget forget that he's LeBron James, a guy that has done all that he has. And and look solely at the guys producing this year. You know, player A, player B. Uh, In that case, is forget all the perception aspect. Player versus player. Is there an argument for LeBron? Over Giannis, I've said. I think I think there is, and I wouldn't fault somebody, including me. Like I, I mean, I'm not discounting the possibility of voting LeBron as MVP. And when you talk about a guy, he carried that offense. He was the sole reason that offense had so much success. You take him off that team, the Lakers aren't in the postseason. You take Giannis off the Bucks, that team is still really good. They're still in the postseason. The Bucs have a stronger, deeper roster overall than the Lakers do, which is why overall there's an argument to be made that the Bucs should be the number one favorite here, not the Lakers or the Clippers, because they have a stronger overall roster. So, yeah, we've argued about two, this before. Uh, and I, I just I, I don't agree I, I, at all. I, I, I mean, agree. look, look, I'm likely going to vote Giannis. Uh, making that clear, I'm just I play devil's advocate with myself a lot here, and uh, with LeBron. There, there is an argument for him. Okay, here's the thing. You can do the whole run it all down with the roster thing, and we've argued about that before. Here's a, it, it, that, that team without Giannis is also not some kind of great team, okay? Um, they also do not have a top five player in the league, and that matters when, when, when it's a guy <laughs> that can stay healthy and he's playing yep. 35, 40 minutes a night. Like, it doesn't matter who your 15th guy is if you've got a top five guy in the starting lineup alongside you. And so I, I get it, right? Maybe top to bottom depth, I would rather have the Bucks 12th guy than the Lakers 12th guy. But number one and number two, like there is a massive gap. And 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 all due respect to Chris Middleton, it's not even, it's not the same hemisphere as AD. Like, in terms of, if I put Chris Middleton on another team, like, AD has at least been the best player on teams that have made the playoffs. And those were crap rosters built around him. The few times that he even had a few other guys, he did make postseason appearances and played great in the postseason against the Warriors in the first round. They knocked off Portland, um, a team that ended up making the Western Conference Finals, uh, you know, not too soon after. I just, like... I mean, if you're on the if you're on the court regularly with another top three or five MVP candidate, like to me, what Giannis did is is more impressive. And the numbers are the numbers. It's one of the historically, of course, best oh, offensive yeah. seasons ever. And, and he's arguably the defensive player of the year. Right. I mean, he could be one of the few players in league history to win both. It was a special season for Giannis. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying LeBron also had a really incredible year too. Yep. And so and so Dan, James Harden and Luka Doncic and, and a handful of other guys are going to find themselves in that MVP vote in the top three, top four, top five. Any award that we missed? Or is that all of them? I think that's all of them, right? Sixth man of the year. 
in my top two, it's going to be in, in no order. I'm still deciding Dennis Schroeder from OKC and Montrose Harrell from the Clippers. Oh, I like those. Mm-hmm. So you give Montrose uh, the uh, the Lou Williams love, right? Because he yeah. Lou Williams is in the mix or winning it feels like every single year it'd be it'd be it'd be unbelievable if a guy on his own team <laughs> ends up winning six man of the year uh when i mean they are kind of co-sixth men yeah, for yeah. that that clippers team right uh the schroeder one is interesting uh, for sure because he deserves i think a, a tremendous amount of credit uh for what he did this year um Van Vliet started too many games. I mean, he was a starter, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. for the majority of the year this year. Um, anybody else? Um, just a couple names on, in like in my in consideration yeah. list, and, and there's missing some here too: George Hill, Derek Rose, Drogic, Lou Williams, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Davis Bertans. I mean, just some other names out there. I, they're not going to crack my top two, but um, they're on the list for that third spot. I like the Dragic name. I do. I think that's a good one. I mean, I feel like a lot of those guys, whether it's Rose or Dragic or Bogdanovich, there's a handful that could be deserving of that third spot. Okay. That being said, and speaking of Bogdanovich, uh, (laughs) the one uh, is on that Sacramento team that has just, I mean, this is a team that was playing well going into this. They're a team that could be dangerous, especially with two games against the Pelicans could be dangerous. Uh, mm-hmm. It could could make up some real ground against teams above them if they played at a very high level. At first, they get the news about a sprained ankle for De'Aaron Fox and then just crushing news yesterday with Marvin Bagley, who yep. I, I certainly have a much higher opinion of than you do, um, but I think we both agree that this kid has had the absolute worst luck. He played uh, less than half a season his rookie year. This year, it's going to be, you know, if he can't come back and play in this thing, I think it's 13 games that he will have appeared in, and you got another foot injury, which foot injuries for big guys are always terrifying. And so when you saw that news come across uh, the wire yesterday that Marvin Bagley had injured his foot and was going to have an MRI, there's a guy that really reshaped himself too because he had looked like he had really packed on a lot of muscle. Um, and somebody that was, of course, really looking forward to getting to play, you know, like needed that time to get fully healthy and to make something of what has been a totally lost season for him. And now it just looks like, here we go again. And I think if you are the Kings, I mean, it's all compounded with the fact that Aiton, Jaron Jackson, Luka Doncic, Trey Young, all those other guys that were drafted in the top five, not only have worked out, they've worked out famously for the teams. Um, and then you have Bagley, who I loved and I still love, but I can't deny this is this is a bad, bad deal when you're talking about can't even you get I mean, first two years in the league and can't even get on the court. It's disappointing. Yeah. Disappointing. And hopefully, uh, that team was going to be fun to watch too. You know, not looking fun right now, unfortunately. No. If they don't have Fox and they don't have Bagley, I mean, there's still some fun guys, Buddy Hill, Bogdan Bogdanovich, but without those other guys, it's uh, I don't like their shot, their odds yeah. of uh, making the postseason. As we close this out today, we do have to say goodbye, Kevin. We we are known as the producer killers. Um, we go through them so very quickly and Bobby Wagner has informed us that he quit the mismatch. (laughs) He said, um, via text yesterday, I am sick of you guys and your crap and I'm leaving and I'm not telling you where I'm going, but I sure as hell won't work another podcast with you. And it was tough to hear. You know, but frankly, it's the same text we've gotten from 10 producers at the ringer, Kev. (laughs) (laughs) You guys should have gotten out ahead of this and uh, gone all David Blatt on me. Oh, is that right? And just dumped me before I dumped you guys. Too late. (laughs) Look, hey, look. Should have taken the cues from Dan Gilbert, Chris. If if there is one thing me and Kevin are used to, it's being dumped. Um, (laughs) 
And so now what? Who who we get? Are they gonna they're gonna drag Isaac back in here? Is that yeah, what we're gonna, doing? Gonna get a second try. Oh <laughs> in the twilight of his career. Maybe well, it'll be I'll, like Mike D'Antoni going back to the Knicks after he doesn't man, deliver to the Rockets. Ooh. I gotta tell you, I now I feel now I feel a little bad for crapping on him on his way out. <laughs> you know, I didn't think I was gonna see him again. <laughs> No, thank you so much for all your help. Bobby, uh, we're not going to make any announcements, but you got big things in store for you Mm -hmm. and your career. So we're super excited for you. And I I do, being honest, I hate losing you here because it has been super fun over the course of the last couple of months working with you. It has been as easy as any of these things can possibly be. Yep, I'm going to miss working with you every Tuesday and Friday, Bobby. It's been a pleasure to to do the mismatch with you. You've always been someone who, especially with the mailbags, you're funny and insightful and you add so much to the conversation and make this show sound better uh, than it is when we record it live. And you're somebody I trust and somebody that I'm excited for moving forward with this podcast to be announced later. Um, it's great for you here with us at the ringer. Um, I'm excited for you, man. So yeah, that, thank you, you. Thank you for everything. If you were, and and obviously we are, we're saying this because we have an awareness that all of the lost files and all the crap that you have to edit out every single week probably still exists on your computer. And if you wanted to blackmail us, we know that is a real possibility. And so we love you, Bobby. Please never get us canceled. By society, and uh, we still expect those to be uh, thrown in the trash. The lost tapes. <laughs> you guys are too good. Too much. Uh, well, I appreciate it. You guys have been a delight to work with, um, and it's been just as easy for me as it has been for you guys. I'm going to miss uh, 10.30 p.m. Pacific time on Thursday nights rolling around and me remembering <laughs> that I forgot to pull together the mailbag questions for the next morning, but... <laughs> Other than that, we'll be good. Um, so thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. You guys are making no. me blush. Uh, this has been fun, too. I mean, look. It, we have had, look, A, no basketball, and B, we've been in a frigging quarantine. Mm. And we still, like, but we've had each other, at least. And Made now you're work. leaving us. As Made soon as we get freaking, hey, as soon as we get basketball back, he says, know, I'm right? out of here. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I you know what I was thinking about this morning is that I'll actually be able to watch like a big NBA game the night before and think like, I don't have to record an emergency episode right now. <laughs> <laughs> I can just enjoy the game for a sec. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be great. Uh, Kevin, I will talk to you on Friday. Thanks to everybody for listening. As always, give out that mailbag. Send us some questions at nbamailbag at gmail.com. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Bobby. Talk to you on Friday. <laughs> <laughs>